Dan Campbell doesn't just like football. Dan Campbell loves football. We're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before before long, we're going to be the last one standing. All right, that's going to be the mentality. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Apparently that went on for like, his his opening statement went on for like 19 minutes yesterday. Not surprised. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely the least surprising Dan Campbell thing of all Dan Campbell time. That was uh, oddly specific too, like biting kneecaps and then we're going to get up, we're going to take three shots at you and how would you like how would you like to get done playing for Matt Patricia and you're like okay 2021 new start new coach they're surely going to go in the other direction and get somebody who's a thinking man's coach right yeah someone with some social skills the great the great young minds today they're going to get one of those calm cool and collected coaches and you get a phone call Dan Campbell refer to him as coach Campbell (laughs) Oh man, I'm excited to watch Lions games next year. Uh, you know, if I were if I were if I were Federated Insurance, I might put a phone call over there to Detroit. Speaking of risk management, they might need some help in 2021. Uh, at, by the way, action movie rewind. We're going to get to uh, also Hank Aaron passed away. We'll talk to Royce about that. But Federated has been helping business owners for over a hundred years in the state of Minnesota, and uh, they've stepped up their game in 2021 even more by launching My Shield, the online client destination for risk management resources. As a business owner, think about how helpful it would be for you to have employee training at your fingertips, industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success. All the things that could involve risk at your company, you want to make sure that you have safety training and videos, risk management plans, even workplace posters and handbooks and, and things like that. So, that's where my shield comes in. That's where Federated comes in. You can find out more at federatedinsurance.com. Just click on my shield or download the app. And uh, remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. And it is Action Movie Rewind Friday. We're doing something unprecedented today, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. We're going back to back in a franchise. Back to back in a franchise. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> That was like guts. You forgot to say please. Hasta la vista, baby. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome in to the show. Yeah, right before we hit the microphones, uh, news came down that Hank Aaron, the legendary Hank Aaron, passed away. 25 All-Star games. 25 yep. All-Star And as games? far as I'm concerned, he is the home run king of baseball. 755. I can't even, I to this day, cannot tell you the, the exact number of Barry Bonds because I don't even care that, that I think much. I it's 766. I can't 780? tell you. 780? 
Hold on, let's 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 see how many. I I, I think seven fifty seven fifty five is well, the number oh, right, because ingrained the, in my brain because that's yep. that's what Hank that's had. Hank had. So then actually seven sixty two. Don't care. Yep. You're right. Is that what you said? Don't care. Seven sixty two. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Hank Aaron seven hundred fifty five home runs played. 23 seasons in the major leagues mm-hmm. and uh, passed away at the age of 86. He would have been 87 in about a week and a half. Boy, and this continues mm-hmm. since I, I think it was last, I believe, a year ago, March with Al Kaline. This continues just a remarkable, sad run of great baseball players who have passed. Just, I mean, it's like every, it feels like at least once a month, you guys, if not more often. Don Sutton just died. Like, it's like every two weeks now. Is today the anniversary of Kobe's death, too? We're right around that time. Uh, we're close. So that was, think about that, by the way. All the things that happened last year, like Kobe freaking it feels Bryant like five died years in ago. a helicopter the, crash the, to start the year last year. Feels like five years back now. 26th is uh, Kobe's. Okay. Yeah, so wow. It's early We're next week. But anyway, it's just so sad. So, yeah. So, we'll, you know, Patrick Royce, who, you know, longtime BBWAA writer, and, uh, and, and, and I believe Patrick started covering the Twins and the major leagues while Hank Aaron was still playing for Milwaukee at the end of his, yep. his run in the mid 70s. Yep. That's correct. So, we'll get some perspective from Patrick Royce. Um, but you know what? We we don't really want to waste any more time because I have a feeling that this action movie rewind is going to be jam packed. And so uh, let's do it. She believes that a machine called a Terminator, oh, yeah. which looks human, of course, was sent back through time to kill her. That's original. And also <laughs> that the father of her child was a soldier sent back to protect her. No, <laughs> he was from the future too. the year uh, 2029, if I remember correctly. And here we are. Morning, Sarah. Good morning, Dr. Silverman. How's the knee? Fine, Sarah. She uh, stabbed me in the kneecap with my pen a few weeks ago. Welcome to the party, pal! Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Gotta listen to the way people talk. You don't say affirmative or some like that. You say, no problemo. Someone comes off to you with an attitude, you say, eat me. And if you want to shine them on, it's hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. And if someone gets upset, you say, chill out. Or you could do combinations. Chill out, dickwad. That's great. See, you're getting it. No problemo. I kept it in there. I had to. No, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Uh, well, we're, as long as it's not on the radio, we're good. Exactly. Uh, then otherwise, we're getting an FCC violation. Uh, but this is Action Movie Rewind here. Every single Friday, we do deep dives, entirely two deep dives into some of the great and corniest action movies of all time here on Mackie and Judd. And last week, we awarded only our third perfect 10 score. In the history of Action Movie Rewind, which goes back almost a year, Terminator was a perfect 10 across the board for us, tying it with Die Hard and Halloween. And I believe, Declan, you put up, did you put Terminator 2 up for vote last week? I did. And it won the vote. And so this is the first time that we have done back-to-back in a movie series. And uh, we're going to dive into Terminator 2 Judgment Day from 1991. Have you guys ever seen this movie straight through? I haven't done front-to-back. 
Have we ever done also a sequel at all in Action Movie Rewind? Have we done any kind of sequel? Yeah, um, we did, but we hadn't watched oh, the Die first Hard. one. And well, we've done Rocky Rambo. Four. We did Die Hard one and two. Okay. And we've done Die Hard one and two. And Got we it. did I Rambo believe, three. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The okay. third one from that last the Rambo time. franchise. Rocky four. Um, but I, I don't know that we had done. Had we done the first one and then the sequel to that? I don't think that we had. We did Mad Max two, but we didn't do Mad Max. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we, we won't be doing Mad Max. We've done Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, but we didn't do uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm glad about right. that, too. I think you like Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think Ark. you would, too. Raiders, I did not enjoy the second one. Raiders of the Lost Ark is less campy. Yeah. The second one's my least favorite of all the Indiana Jones franchises. Yeah. It was my favorite as a kid, and I thought it would translate well to this. It was just kind of, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, That's okay. Uh, we all make uh, mistakes. You, yeah. Sometimes you whiff. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> look at running times today, boys, okay? Yes, that is Before very you important. throw a movie out, look at the running time. Listen, I think I think you're a little bit too gung ho about this I running agree. time thing. You need to pump the brakes a little bit, Mr. Running Time, I okay? Agree. Over. Two hours is probably too or much. Or we're going to jam Gone with the Wind down your throat here. Yeah. Executive, executive decision. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, all right. Terminator 2 Judgment Day 1991. Here's the summary. In this sequel set 11 years after the Terminator, young John Connor, played by Edward Furlong, the key to civilization's victory over a future robot uprising is the target of the shape-shifting T-1000 Terminator, played by Robert Patrick. A Terminator sent from the future to kill John Connor as a kid before he can obviously become the man that leads uh, troops against the robots. Another Terminator, the revamped T-800, Arnold Schwarzenegger, has been sent back to protect John Connor as a kid as John and his mother, played by Linda Hamilton, go on the run with Arnold, the Terminator. The boy forms an unexpected bond with the robot. Now, the original was a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. This one, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm -hmm. The critics' consensus says on Rotten Tomatoes, T2 features thrilling action sequences and eye-popping visual effects, but what takes this sci-fi and action landmark to the next level is the depth of the human and cyborg characters, which Judd loves when we get into depth of character in these movies. And depth of robot. Go Arnold. Depth of cyborg. Arnold. So the original was a $6 million budget film that they turned into a huge hit. So they went from $6 million to $6 million budget, which most of that was probably spent on Arnold Schwarzenegger coming off back-to-back Conan movies and being one of the you know, biggest weightlifting stars. It was in not history. spent on special effects. No, it was not. So they jump seven years later, and James Cameron has become even more of a star director at this point, and they get the biggest budget in cinematic history, a $100 million budget at the time, for this film, turned into $520 million at the box office, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, Robert Patrick, Edward Furlong, and uh, as I mentioned, directed by James Cameron. We'll start with Judd, your main takeaway or takeaways from Terminator 2 Judgment Day. A very interesting film. Um, I had not seen this one, and I don't know if I've seen bits and pieces of this one previously. I don't recall if I had, but I had. Uh, I definitely was not aware. I knew at some point in time... That Arnold became the good guy, but I didn't remember if it was in this film, which it definitely was. So this one had had definitely just from a starting point, more humor, better dialogue, and and my God, did the jump to CGI not change the world? Yeah. Like in eighty four, it looks totally. like Atari. It's like, hey, hey, shoot something across the screen; it'll look <laughs> cool. By ninety one, those special effects. 
I mean, now now they're not great, but they're pretty damn good still. Like they they're hold, just they fine. Hold up. They yeah, hold they up. CGI yeah. changed the the world as far as films went. Now the downside was because of of that and the budget being huge, they basically started to write and didn't stop. They're they're like, but what if we change this? No, 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 don't change that. Change this, and so. It did go too long, and it got a little bit confusing. Like, I was taking notes, and so <laughs> I stayed engaged. But, like, if you watched th- that film compared to the first one, y- you had to pay attention to be a- aware of the jumps of the script, basically. What, what were like? What were the parts that were... The Terminator part disappears for a long period of time w- when they go and the try... The bad guy Terminator? Oh, yes. the, the, the and they try and reverse, and they, and they basically spend a good portion in... The, in the back half of the film, trying to reverse the history, and then the bad the bad guy disappears for an extended period. There, uh, I'm not saying it was impossible. The first one though was a really easy follow. This one became more difficult. Um, and then also, the one thing I didn't get as far as my takeaway was, and it's a bit of a rhetorical question and probably dumb. But how was this not the last one? Like they solved everything uh, because it made five hundred million dollars right, at the box office. But you saw. But you solved every. <laughs> but but your problem was you left right. nothing so, open. I know you, what Judge's saying here. You were done. Like like you. The one thing I didn't get is if if you're going to go to the lengths that they did to write basically at least two, if not three parts, you needed to leave something open, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. They solved. Yeah. In, in fact, I'll, I'll get to, uh, to this in my at least favorite part they solved everything and so my takeaway was it was fun to watch i thought it went by for its time pretty quickly the time that the film ran but all of that being said they also i think um outthought themselves just a little bit as far as what they probably intended to do to leave things wide open for a t3 so i don't know i've never seen the other terminator movies i've seen and it's funny because going into the last two weeks, I had never seen the first two Terminator movies straight through. I've seen chunks of them mm-hmm. for three decades on TV, but I had never seen them straight through. I actually didn't I didn't feel like the plot was hard to follow. I felt like they were I felt like there were there were loops to jump through mentally yes. that we'll that we'll get to. Oh, de- yes, definitely. But um, the plot. But the plot. Well, I mean, we're talking about a movie where we are sending robots back Correct. from 2029. So I guess, like, of course, there are mental hoops to jump through. But the plot, <laughs> the plot part that I guess I didn't get is, is why the the bad guy disappeared for so long. Well, because he. The bad guy is not a superhero in that sense. Like he's not Superman. He's not going to just like show up where you are. He has to travel to where you are. So they di- they ditched him. I can't remember the exact location, but they ditched him and they got in a car and they said, "Let's drive as far. Let's drive oh, south." No, right? But I'm talking about when when they go to try and change the course of the, the actual um, the the actual destruction of the world. They like sort of just focused on that for a long period of time and forgot about the first part of the storyline. I get what you're saying. You're saying when they went to go find the guy that took the 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 hand of the Terminator and created... They just sort of like just shoved the rest of of the plot aside for an extended period. And I took that to be like, all right, they've escaped for now, 
and 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 they've got a, a small amount of time to go and try and fix this, but eventually the T one thousand is going to find them again, and he did. I guess that's how I introduced. Yeah, it. and right. I just want wanted that to be gone because <laughs> no, then I can stitch the, the entire film back together and get you to one forty five. But it's a huge part of the story. They're I trying. love movie critic Judd. <laughs> I, I would I would pay for no, Judd's all gad movie reviews. But, but Dex, that part, if, if you took that part out, yeah. that's the third installment. Right. And I, I know what oh, you... Oh, okay. I see. So I the see third installment, saying. the third one sh- should have been reverse history. Yeah. Have you seen the third one? Rise no. of the Machines? No, but I'm just telling you, they're done. What happens in Rise of the Machines? Um, so they send back what's called the TX, which is a woman. And she's also like an indestructible, <laughs> even upgraded version of the T-1000. Who, who plays? Uh, it's some random, non-really. Honestly, T-3 is Ronda a, Rousey. is like just a, not a disaster. Meg, Meg Ryan. Um, it's just more really campy and fake. And, and yeah. John Connor is like, it, it's basically, Arnold goes back to protect John Connor and John Connor's girlfriend. While the T-X is trying to once again okay. kill John Connor. And eventually, I I I, wouldn't, I don't I don't even care. I'm spoiling this here. No, go ahead. No, it's fine. People, yeah. Whatever. And we're, the end. Like we eventually, the machines are rising. Like machines are coming up, and the movie ends with those nukes happening in the world, and John receiving a, like the first distress call from a bunker, being like, "This is John Connor. What do we do?" Terminator but, Four, by the way, is a rom com. I'm not sure if you guys knew that. It's, uh, it's I love you too. It's it's Arnold and it's Sarah, and they're together. Uh, McConaughey and, stars. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's working at an ad agency. How to lose a ter- Terminator <laughs> in nine days. I've lost my Terminator. Uh, Dex, what was your main takeaway from T2 Judgment Day? My main takeaway is just the jump from, honestly, really low-budget, cool cult film and original Terminator, which is, as we heard last week, is basically kind of, it's very similar to Halloween, and that's what Cameron wanted to do. So you saw this low-budget, very simple kind of film, and... In T2, it is just so Hollywood and commercialized, for for better or for worse, but it is. You can literally see it jump from, all right, Arnold has like 12 lines in the first one, and it's just really a cat and mouse game with ditzy Sarah Connor and this random dude that comes back from the future, and they're just trying to hide hide, hide from the Terminator, mm-hmm. to T2 where it's explosions, and there's 90s references, and there's funny, and there's, there's comedy involved. Yeah, It's a complete, like... It, 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 it becomes a, I wouldn't say it sells out, but one could make that argument that it, it sells out. And that's where I, I am with Judd, them making Rise of the Machines and then the spinoff of, uh, I believe, Salvation with Christian Bale or whatever the hell it is. Like, they should have stopped right here. They, there is no reason to continue to make more Terminators. Yeah, well, I think this happens all the time in yes. movies where... Boy, well, the story's kind of over, but holy crap, we made a half billion dollars at the box right. office. Let's keep, let's keep trying to this, pair the onion. This is why when you do the second one, you leave yourself an a alternative storyline. Like, leave something open. Like, don't solve every... If you don't go 216... Then you don't solve the entire thing. Well, they must have left something open. They had like three more Terminator. That's movies the point, after though. De- Dex is right. They they didn't. They <laughs> yeah, forced they didn't. it. They yeah. forced it when they easily could have have had the third one be the entire thing of going back and back then and trying to find the guy who had the arm, as you said, Phil, yeah. and then go from there. And, you know, yeah, and in their defense, this last one that they just made. Um, Dark Fate, which came out last summer, is supposed to be the first one that connects back to Judgment Day. Because all the other ones they've made have nothing to do with Judgment Day. 
because they knew they were done. That's they interesting. Knew they should have been done. Interesting. Okay. So they try to put it back. You know what together. they could have done at the end of T two? If you guys, you guys remember uh, uh, the the first Bourne movie where yeah. where Jason Bourne is presumably dead in this body of water, and and the the credits are about to roll. And it's like his his lifeless body in the bottom in the body of water. And then all of a sudden, like he starts kicking and swimming, and that Moby song kicks in. <laughs> yeah, Moby. so they could have done that, yeah. but in in the, in the hot lava, like Terminator, like you know, you see him swimming away. Uh-huh. Uh, my main takeaways, I had I had two of them. One might be a hot take. Okay. The, my first main takeaway is this, is, and I don't think this is a hot take. This is legitimately one of the best sequels I can remember. It's a I, I it's a really that. good sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think in terms of like action movie sequels, mm-hmm. I I really think Die Hard Two holds up. Um, I'm a huge mark for Rocky movies, <laughs> so there there are other action movie franchises that have great sequels. Beverly Hills Cop had some entertaining sequels, but I don't know that anything ever lived up to the first one. Uh, by by the time they got to the third one, it was like they're at a they're at like Valley Fair, and there's you know it's it's super weird. It's like an amusement park, and it's more of a just a, a weird comedy. This you could make a case, and a lot of people do that. This was a better movie than the first one. Very different movies because the budgets were you know right. ninety five million dollars apart. Right, but this one had, like Judd said, more comedy. This one had m- more action scenes, CGI, and we'll get into some of the CGI facts. So I, my first main takeaway is this movie really, really held up as a great sequel. My second takeaway is kind of a hot take. Okay. I thought this was an incredible acting job by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I don't think Arnold Schwarzenegger gets enough credit for being as good of an actor. Why are you crying? He's kind of viewed as this caricature like, oh, he's, he talks funny and he's got steroid muscles. So <laughs> at some point in the discussion for this movie, they said, listen, Arnold, you're a robot who displays human tendencies. And you have to sort of like learn more human emotion and tendencies throughout the movie and connect with a boy, but but remain a robot, a cyborg sent from 2029 to kill people. There's a lot of nuance there. And I feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger nailed the nuance won a damn of Academy the Terminator Award. character. I think he best deserves more credit. And the best actor is Arnold. He deserves more credit for being a great actor. I mean, oh. You're like a machine underneath, right? But sort of alive outside? I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. Okay. <laughs> um, you're not here to kill me. I figured that part out for myself. So what's the deal? My mission is to protect you. Who sent you? You did. 35 years from now, you reprogrammed me to be your protector here. In this time... This is deep. So he's got to be a robot. Yep. He's got to be funny. Yep. He's got to be charismatic. He's good. Kind of human and evolve his character over the course of the movie, but still be a cyborg who can and you know kill what? anyone in his path. I got to say, Arnold Schwarzenegger gets a bad rap as an actor, and this was great stuff. Exploring that exact path, I would make a very, a very good case because this film came out in 1991 that Arnold prepared for this role. With his appearance in Kindergarten Cop. He did. Well, like, this is sort of the Kindergarten Cop Schwartzy. So you were going to take, we're going to take the, like, the muscle-bound Conan the Barbarian roles where he doesn't speak. Yep. And then we're going to take the other end of the Shut spectrum, the, the Kindergarten Cop. We're going to blend those two things together. Yeah, and we're going to make him, 
Him part machine, part man. Yeah, I'm telling you. So, oh, uh, best what, actor. What was your What was your favorite part of this movie, Judd? Um, it was the relationship to me between the kid and 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 Schwartzy. See, I thought you were going to hate that. Yeah, me too. I literally had it wrote down. Judd's going to hate this. The the kid. Why? Because he's like a little twerp, and you'd hate that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, the, no, you hate no, corny stuff like that. No, no, but but the kid's pretty good. Really, this is the first movie he was ever in, by the way. And then he was in Pet Cemetery. And two, then he had like American huge drug X. problems after that, yeah. and became a boozer. He's back on Instagram now, though. So if you want to follow, oh really? Him. Yeah, it's fur, it's furlough. Yeah, or, Eddie Furlow. Eddie Furlow. Yeah. So m- my favorite part is furlong. Furlow, furlong. I have no idea. But he did a lot of drugs and booze, and his life got off track, and now it sounds like it's back on track, and he's sort of fat now, which is outstanding. Yeah, that's great. Uh, My, in in fact, so this is going to shock both of you. My favorite part, then, in particular, um, and these films, both of these films, did a really good job of, and I'm, I'm sure it was largely by accident, foreseeing where we would be as a society in 2021. <laughs> My favorite part in particular was the the bit of dialogue between the kid and Arnold, where, where the kid sees two little boys fighting. And, and he says, we're not going to make it, are we? And wow. Arnold said, it's in your nature to, to destroy yourselves. Prophetic. It was prophetic, it, it, yeah. and it was a great exchange, and and that's why I'm sort of on on Phil's side here. Arnold did a really good job of of at times coming off as a protector and as coming off as as the kindergarten cop guy. Uh, but I love that exchange because that exchange then is more true now, probably. Yeah, I mean, so like, it sounds like a weird thing, but and I think they said part. at the beginning of the movie that the nuclear holocaust was 1997. It took place. They did, yes, that's correct. And the setting for this movie was 1995, even though it was filmed in 1991. Mm-hmm. And so what they were saying is, hey, life as you see it here in the mid 90s, there's going to be a nuclear holocaust in 1997. In this case, driven by robots taking over uh, intelligence and taking over humans, right? So, uh, like, how scared are you guys that in two years from now, we could just get wiped off the face of the earth by robots or ourselves in some way? I'm old. I don't care. I am one of those people who is for, I know this is going to sound very bad, but I am for human error for these exact reasons, because I do not want technology to turn on us. So you don't want an electronic strike zone in case at some point the electronic strike zone lights lights, lights a nuke in downtown Minneapolis. You're out. You're out. You're out. You are a cheater. I'm calling you out. I'm throwing you out of the game. Your whole day forfeit, forfeit, forfeit. Uh, No, I I, I am for human error, and I know that's kind of a controversial take, but I am for human error because I know this kind of stuff can happen. And, And in fact, in another great, Arnold piece, I love when he explains how Skynet becomes alive. The Skynet funding bill is passed. The system goes online on August 4th, 1997. Human decisions are removed from strategic defense. Skynet begins to learn at a geometric rate. It becomes self-aware at 2.14 a.m. Eastern Time, August 29th. In a panic, they try to pull the plug. Skynet fights back. Yes, it launches its missiles against the targets in Russia. Why attack Russia? Aren't they our friends now? <laughs> because Skynet knows that the Russian counterattack will eliminate its enemies over here. Jesus. I love the I love the antidote about Russia. Because <laughs> they know are we, Russia. Are, are we friends now? Yeah, are we friends now? You never know. 
We never quite know. And, friends and Russia. make no mistake, it's Eastern time. <laughs> yeah. 248 yeah. Eastern time. Eastern time. Hawaiian time. I didn't time. realize that. Pacific, that. Pacific. Can we watch? Time. Can we watch the West Coast feed of the nuclear yeah. holocaust, or is it? Hey, wait, California. We're fine still because it ain't two forty eight here. Um, uh, we're, so uh, we're favorite part for Declan. What was your favorite part? Uh, my favorite part is the evolution of Sarah Connor. So Sarah she, Connor, she's ripped in this movie, man. Yes. That was a big deal too. In the first Lots film, about that she's just kind of this ditzy, yep. kind of dumb character. Yeah, she's to lost. Be honest, she's yeah. lost. She's confused. And in Terminator 2, she turns into a complete badass. And I know she's in a psych ward because people think she's crazy, but the scene even with the bunker of weapons down in, in wherever the hell they are, like near the border in Mexico, I thought that part was awesome. When she goes to kill the guy who invents Skynet, essentially, and then she can't do it, but then they're basically telling about him. She's just sitting there in the kitchen smoking a heater yep. in the middle of their kitchen. She, dude, she is hardened to life by then. Yeah. I love the evolution of Sarah Connor. Also one of, one of James Cameron's five wives. Yes. She, really? She married they James married. Cameron for like a year or two in, in like the mid-90s. I looked this up. Wow. But she did get big. But, but like, she, she was ripped. Yeah, she became awesome. She's doing those pull-ups. She's you know, stabbing the stabbing the wards with pens. Like I think it's awesome how she goes from like just kind of the typical dumb ditzy uh uh main character in the first one to this complete one eighty badass. I love it. Man, there I have so many favorite things about this movie. This movie gave me great joy watching it watching it back last night. I think the opening scene might actually be my favorite part of the movie. We we played one of the clips where he, he walks into the dive bar completely naked. And the other thing, too, is like we've established reviewing Terminator 1 last week that apparently time travel, you have to be naked, uh-huh. even if you're That's a real fair. human, right? Yep. You have to be naked when you, why yep. can't you wear jeans? What happens when you travel through time with like just a pair of sweatpants or something? Can't make it. Yeah, I don't know, man. Do your clothes I guess you die. choke you out or something? Yeah, you must die. Maybe like melt to your skin. You never know. It's super weird. It's funny, though. Yeah. But he walks in, he, he asks for, he he says, I need your clothes, your boots, your motorcycle. I thought that was great. Kicks everyone's ass. Um but I think, I think the part that I like the best is more of a thematic thing that Declan can appreciate, maybe more than Judd, and that Terminator turning into a good guy for this movie is one of the all-time great face turns yes. in either wrestling or movie <laughs> history. Mm. Yeah, you know, A face turn, for those who are uninitiated with wrestling terminology, good guys are called faces in wrestling, and bad guys are called heels. So when you have a heel turn, it's like, you know... We're in the ring. We're tag team partners, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, and boom, like, you kick your partner in the face and you turn bad, right? That happens all the time. It's it's Oftentimes, it's harder to turn a bad guy into a good guy because you need something really crazy. You can't just, like, clock him over the head with a chair. Mm-hmm. Right. You need something, uh, some sort of a hook. And I think for Arnold to be one of the great villains of all time in the first one and then become this great face good guy character... I made a list, Dex, of just a handful of the great wrestling face turns of all time. Okay. Stone Cold at WrestleMania 13. Yep. When he passes out in the sharpshooter with blood pouring down his face. And the crowd just loved his tenacity and his unwillingness to tap out. He'd rather pass out than tap out and lose a match that uh, way. I watched the 97 Royal Rumble after Terminator 2 last night. It was on WWE Network. Wow. Stone Cold wins his first one. First of three Royal Rumble wins for Stone Cold. Stunning everybody. Yeah. Uh, Batista turning face on Evolution when he returned the favor with the thumbs down to Triple H on SmackDown. That was a good one. 
The Undertaker, I think he turned on Jake the Snake Roberts in like 1992 and became a mm-hmm. good guy. Terminator and The Undertaker, very similar characters. When, uh, when Triple H reformed with Shawn Michaels and they started DX the second time, that yes. was also pretty big because yes. Triple H always, I think he actually plays a better heel than he does a face. But, does. When, but when he turned, when that DX came back, I mean, that was pretty flippant. Awesome. It was. And then Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 6, I believe it was, he'd been a bad guy for a long time, and he turned on his manager, Bobby Heenan, the weasel Bobby Heenan, in the ring and slapped him around and got the standing ovation (laughs) from the crowd. So I'm wondering, like, if if this had been done through a wrestling prism, how would the face turn have happened? Would Arnold have, you know, Arnold and the T-1000 are tag team partners, and Arnold takes a steel chair or a flamethrower and... I don't know, but I I, th- I put this in the context of wrestling face turns in it. And they, they did a great joy. They did a fantastic job of not allowing you, at least in the first part of the film, to know who was going to be the good guy and bad guy. Yeah. It was hard. Because at I first you think he's going to kill the kid. Right. And you're like, I think he's going to kill the kid. And then and then he doesn't. And you're like, oh, this is a, a twist. Right. And it's and like I had kind of known going in. It's been a long time since I've even seen clips of this. But if you're watching it for the first time, it's probably a great mystery. At first, thrill. it was like, probably oh, really cool. What's happening right. in theaters? Yeah, no yeah, question. All right, the, the, your least favorite thing, Judd Zolget. Uh My least fa- favorite part is is this. So back to my takeaway. They spend the first part of the film. It's basically it's basically um, the two Terminators battling, which, which is fine. That's cool. The second then part of the film is that they go and find this Miles Dyson to try and stop Skynet from happening in the first place. Okay, but then we go back to to the Terminators battling again after that storyline is done. Which then, and my biggest problem was that last scene took way too long. Like, I loved the first scene. I actually didn't mind any scene until they basic they basically decided that they were going to make the last scene as, as long as possible. Should it have just ended at Hasta La Vista, baby? Yeah, I mean, like, you just could have sped it up. There, right? You could have yeah. sped the entire thing up. Yeah. But, here's my, but here's my least favorite part of the entire thing. All right, so... so if the Miles Dyson Skynet thing worked, which it did, they stopped him. They stopped the entire thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they stopped the eventual two years down the road n- nuclear explosion from happening, which then which then stops the machine, right? The entire thing of having to come back is done. The second that you stop the entire thing from happening, yes. Um, then life goes the on bad as normal. Terminator's role is over, so so that makes the last part unnecessary. Oh, I see. So so when he when he hits the self destruct button on the Skynet project, that's right? over. Then then the nuclear then, war doesn't happen, right? But that right. But you got to keep in mind, T one thousand was sent from two thousand two. He's no longer in the future. Mm-hmm. He's, right. the, he's now a T-1000 in 1995. Right, but they should have alerted him then, your job is done because we're all screwed. <laughs> but they can't alert him because your they don't exist anymore. Your job is done. Your job is done. <laughs> but, but like that, that, was, that was the key thing. <laughs> the, the, Once that's done, it's over. Okay, these are the, I'm going to cut in line here and give you my least favorite thing because like Judd and I are kind of thinking on the same wavelength. We're, we're both going down this path of... Well, wait a second. Okay, if time travel's possible, and if you can change the future by doing things, you know, in the present and the past. So the biggest flaw for me is this: adult John Connor 
catches wind that Skynet has sent a T-1000 Terminator back to 1995 to kill a younger version of himself, right? Correct. And he has said, well, I can't let that happen. I'm going to send a Terminator back to fight the T-1000 to make sure that he doesn't kill the younger version of me. But I've got an old one. Right? <laughs> so... He's got an old one, which is weird. Like, I don't know why he... So they must have, they must have like, a black market for, like, the old Terminators, and he reprogrammed it or something. Yeah. Terminator, get your Terminator here. But- <laughs> 25 So I think my question would be if if it was easy enough to get access to an old model Terminator that was slightly inferior, but still obviously like good enough to do some damage Back to a power source that they didn't know about. Why wouldn't you look to find multiple older models? Like why would why wouldn't you just send like five back uh, to hunt they the explain, T1000? They explain that it can only be one apiece. What do you mean? One, so there's only one. At one part, they explain that in, I believe, I think it was the narration, perhaps at the beginning of the second one. Okay. They explain that you can only send one back per per fight. So you can only send one model back. Exactly. So you can only, but why you wouldn't also try and get your hands on a new one is not explained. Okay. Yeah, that's that was my other question. Why wouldn't you try to get one of equal power? Because the new guy power? has has the special effects of morphing in, and he's got the he's got the. Fi- finger thing where, where he can actually stab you with like uh, a knife or something because yeah. his finger turns into a knife. But they did try and explain that. But there were a lot of things where I'm like, okay, the fight's done then really, right? Well, and then the other thing that, that doesn't really make sense, and this is a tactical error by the by the T-1000 Terminator or whoever sent him, Skynet. This is a tactical error by Skynet, okay? Okay. So John Connor in 1995 is 11 years old. Around He's like 11 or 12 years old, right? Because she was pregnant in 1984, and so he's 11 years old. Yep. So he's definitely a kid, but he's also, like, he's pretty savvy, and he can steal money from ATMs, and, and, he's, and, and he's, he's eventually smart enough to lead, to lead a resurrection, right, of, of, of humans. So if you're going to send a T-1000 back in time to go kill a younger version of John Connor, why wouldn't you just send him back to when he's, like, five years old and he's just completely defenseless? Yeah, I don't know. Why, why would you send yeah. him back to kill That's an, good point. an 11 That's year old version that is like pretty tactical for an 11 year old, right? Right. You I can hop on a scooter one. and you just, of You're all right. the different points in time, or, I mean, this sounds heinous, but like, why wouldn't you just send him back when she's like pregnant or something? They and, tried. Well, they, yeah. They lost. They tried to kill her. When she was bef- right before, right before she gets pregnant, yeah. Oh, I know that's but, that's well, that's the first. But I mean, movie, that's the right? first, right? But you would just repeat. But I think their goal was was to yeah. like continue to move things. My my guess is that the writers didn't send one back to try and kill a little kid because that that would almost be a repeat yeah. of the first one, yeah. and they wanted more dialogue. Okay. Like it was very it was very clear that they're they're like we got a huge budget, let's write some dialogue, and let's get Arnold a lot of lines. Which is why I will say this. I like the storyline as much as this shocks you guys between Arnold and the kid. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Dex, what was your least favorite part of T2 Judgment I, Day? I thought it was going to be a judgment. I, I did not like John Connor. I didn't like this wow. punk-nosed kid. Um, he, he's very tactical and smart, I'll give him that, but I didn't like his, 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 his snotty attitude. I also did not appreciate... <laughs> How, like, at the beginning of the film where he's living with his foster parents, and that's fine to resent his foster parents, but he's telling his buddy, well, my mom's crazy. Like, yeah, she tried to burn down a psych ward. She's dead to me. I don't even care about her. And then and then he's just completely A-OK. Even I know the, the Terminator right. comes back. Good point. He's like, oh, yeah, maybe my mom wasn't crazy. But then all of a sudden he's just, like, totally back in. Yeah. Oh, hey, save mom. my mom. Yeah. Hey, I'm mom, ordering you to save her. You. Haven't seen you in forever. Let's break you out of the psych ward. 
I did not appreciate young John Connor. I okay. thought he was just annoying. Hey, a quick note. You bring up the foster parents there, too. A quick note. These are terrible foster Horrible. parents. Okay. So a couple things on the foster. And I get that being a foster. I've never been a foster parent, but I'm sure it's difficult because you've, you've got kids who are displaced. Oh, and, it's tough. Yeah, you know, it's got to be tough. Trust so, me. It's, it's tough. Uh, empathy for the foster parents. But, but the T-1000 shows up in a police uniform. And so to them, a cop shows up at their door. And right. they know that their kid is like off and he, he went off on his bike and he just disappears. He's that kid. But this cop shows up, doesn't show his identification or anything. He's acting very socially awkward for a police officer because he's a robot. And he asks a bunch of vague questions. <laughs> and he, so he asks a bunch of vague questions, you know, uh, where is your son? Can is I your son's a, name John Connor? Can I get a picture? Can I keep the picture? And yeah. the foster parents are like, ah, right, whatever. That was weird. <laughs> they stunk. Uh, and then later on, like he calls from a phone booth, and they were and they were just like, "Oh, where are you?" <laughs> yeah. And then my second favorite, or second uh, least favorite part of this film was, I, I think the T one thousand should have died with the with the carbonate with the uh, liquid. What is it called? Nitrogen. Nitrogen. Yeah. I just thought it was kind of lame how. All right, awesome. He's frozen. He gets shot. I thought so too. Yeah. You're and right. then Good the point. fire puts him back together, but then also he's still killed in the. Fire, like eventually, right. then yeah, melted. yeah. At some point in time, you would have died. Yeah, I was. That's a great I point. think you should. Like, I was but, totally okay with Arnold sacrificing himself, knowing like that the last chips inside of me. That's fine. But I didn't appreciate how he was like frozen, melts together, forms back, and then also melts again in the fire. It's like, well, wait a minute. Why don't we just kill him in the badass be, way with the liquid nitrogen? Because they wouldn't stop writing. Like you're, yeah. you're right. Like at some point, just end it. That's fine. It's cool. It's been a really good movie. It's, it's almost like I they, did like it. It's almost like they're like, man, they gave us a hundred million dollars for yes. this. We've only yeah. used ninety. What else do you guys want to do? James Cameron yeah. said, "I'm James Cameron. We have a surplus. Let's go again." <laughs> um, I, I did think though that this film, compared to the first, had a very human touch. Mm-hmm. Down to this, I like the softer version. Of did Judd you here. notice? Did you? Well, but it's 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 a very nuanced thing. Did you guys? One thing I really liked: they didn't kill anybody that you didn't want dead. Foster parents were awful. Like yeah. you were glad they yeah. died, right? Yeah. Um, the guard at, at the asylum who gets killed yeah, all those had licked had licked her oh, face God. before, which is disgusting. Yeah. And like he was a bad. You you could tell, right? Derelict, right? He dies, I think. So, like, they didn't kill one person. And, and uh, of course, the kid told Arnold, you know, you don't need to kill p- people, which is why he started to shoot them in the kneecaps. Um, but they, but I'm serious. Think about this. Did they kill one person who you said, oh, that's too bad? They really didn't. I mean, they killed Arnold. If by they, you but mean, he sacrificed like, the himself. Writing. Yeah. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying as far as the death toll of people being like, Hurled through glass. Can you take a guess as to what? Or I, shot. I have the death toll in front of me right now. You can take a guess as to what the death toll in, in this movie was. Oh, I'd like to know what it is compared to the first one. That's uh, very interesting. Actually, let me find the first one. Um, I'm going to say the death toll. Uh, I don't think it's that high. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to say a, may, maybe around twenty. Yeah, I was total. I, I like, wouldn't put more than two dozen with with extra casualties. Apparent, Extras. Uh, according to according to listofdeaths.com, it's fifty three. There oh. were fifty three deaths in this it, movie. What? Really? Now you gotta now you gotta keep in mind how many innocent bystanders tend to die in these. Like people people who are in the Skynet area or yeah, like right the workers. Extras. Yeah, and even in the first Terminator movie, when he walks into that uh, that nightclub and he's looking for Sarah Connor. He just starts mowing down. Oh, the first one had the first one had a lot of death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first one had a high death toll. Yep. 
Okay, what was interesting? What was the least believable thing about this movie, Judd? Oh, okay, mine is very simple. Okay, in the scene in the building where they take Miles Dyson to find the first Terminator arm. Mm-hmm. All right, and they're trying to buy time while the cops respond. And they do a pretty good job until the end where the cops come in and start to shoot. They shoot Miles Dyson no fewer than 10 times with a machine gun. Yes. Like they are blowing him away. Like your body would explode. Your body would come apart. Like yeah. if you were to be shot. Be torn in half. Yeah. yeah. You, your torso would, would be in one part of the room. Your head would be in a different part of the room. Not only do they not kill him with these, again, machine gun blasts. Okay. He manages to stay alert enough to keep his finger on the on the detonation button. I can't hold it. Much and longer. yeah, I can't hold it much longer, dude. You've been shot so many bleeping <laughs> times. You you've got to be dead. And then and then so he finally he finally dies. It, it's like oh man, all those machine gun bullets finally got to Miles Dyson. He drops the detonator. The building blows up. Like, they show it blowing up. It's a pretty cool blow-up, yeah, right? It's a right. massive explosion, yeah. The elevator in which in which they're in is still fine and, in fact, running. And the downstairs lobby is still very much intact. Yes. Like, the entire thing's not plausible. Miles what? Dyson would die, and that building would be, if not destroyed completely, blown to smithereens. And that's a hilarious thing that happens in some of these movies. Like, a lot of the movies that we are reviewing in Action Movie Rewind are just completely unbelievable, implausible premises to start with. Totally. And so when you're dealing with something as implausible as Liquid Metal Cyborg from 2029 comes back to, you know, is time traveling, etc. Right. So you've got this completely implausible... Can't you clean some of that stuff up? Can't you, you know, maybe you should have to get 100 yards well, away from the building in your escape and then the next scene takes well, place somewhere Why does somewhere Miles else? Dyson have to be shot 27 times I with know. a machine gun? Like, you don't, need, you don't even need that. He just, could just be shot like twice. Exactly, yeah. with a normal gun. <laughs> like, I could buy him being shot in, like, the torso and leg, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I can barely hold on. But your your body would literally explode. Yeah. Yep. I, ha- I actually have kind of a similar one in that, again, one the, the macro here is that the the premise of this movie is wholly unbelievable in itself. But the thing that I wrote down for this particular category that was like, oh, come on, that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> was when the kid, when Kid John Connor is riding that little dirt bike scooter that I don't know, probably maxes out at like 40 miles an hour or something, right? <laughs> and he's e- evil Knievel. Yep. And he, and he rides it down into that little, yeah. little ravine area. Mm-hmm. And T-1000 guy has stolen a semi-truck. And he drives the semi truck in and out of traffic on the freeway. I have this in my notes. Too. And he jumps over. He jumps the notes. freaking bridge or whatever that was and goes down like 30 feet, 20, 30 feet, lands perfectly. And I'm like, come on. So two things off this. One, that's completely ridiculous. That semi truck would either have flipped over. He would have. Uh, he would have. He would have. He wouldn't have died himself because he's a T one thousand. But he would have totaled the semi truck. Right. Oh, trying yeah. to do that. Right. Yes. And then he would have been back on foot. <laughs> this is my second thing but, in my. But the, but then the other thing is <laughs> this. And this premise pops up in so many movies: semi truck chasing somebody on foot or on a bike. Yep. Because they. Wa- do you know how impossible it would be to track someone down who's nimbly? On, I know that you can drive faster than they can run or bike, but like. You should never get chased down by a semi truck ever, unless you're in a car, like in that movie from the seventies. 
I think it was a Spielberg movie. Uh, uh, Duel. Duel. Duel is yes. a great his first film. But even then, like movie. like in Duel, like okay, this guy's got a semi truck. Just turn around. Like he can't turn around easily. You're driving right. on a mountainside. Right. So th- anytime there's a semi truck chasing somebody down, I'm like, that's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. You're so right. So. I, I've got the same thing. <laughs> like the and the fact that he went off. The side of that bridge, which means that you would sort of have to stop the truck and, like, I don't know how you would get going again to jump off that thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then I love how it's like, oh, it's still in good shape. Yeah. Oh, very operational. Ridiculous. All right, Declan, what was the least believable thing for you? All right, two things. Um, I know she's a badass, and I love it, but when she breaks out of the prison, Sarah Connor, and she gets the keys, and she just knows which key can open each door. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that's a little ridiculous. She's got a whole janitor, dozens of keys on this ring, and she knows which key yeah. does what. Like, I know she's an escape artist, but at the same time. I thought the same thing. I'm like, Sarah, well, that was lucky. Come on. I think that's a little <laughs> little ridiculous. How do you break a key off like that, too? I don't think that's too hard. I think if you like, if you hit it hard enough, and when it's in there, you can break off a key. I've broken off a key in my door before, so it, it's okay. possible. Declan's like, I do it all the yeah, time. Yeah, because he's drawn constantly. No, I don't. I never. Uh, well, no. No. Anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Sorry. No. Didn't mean to offend you. Uh, second least believable thing for me uh, is, I just hold on. To, oh, wait, yeah. When, when she goes to the, the guy's house that invents Skynet, by the way, that kid's wearing a twins cap. Did you guys notice that? I thought that was a twins cap. He's wearing a twins cap. The, I thought the, it was the, the M logo. Yeah, he's wearing a twins cap. Oh, is it? I thought yeah. that was a twins cap. Oh, wow. Okay. Super random. So, is, it, is this 92? 91. 91. Okay. No, and it came out before so the World it Series. Came out it would have had to come out before it. Before but, the World but it came out right after their 15 game winning streak. So maybe sure. they, maybe they post produced the the twins. Well, yeah, the little kid Don't is wearing a twins hat. And that's <laughs> Don't not my, kill my daddy. That's not the least believable thing, by the way. That's not that's not what it is. That he's wearing a twins. Yeah, hat? that's that's not coming it. off a of last place season in um, 1990. God, but uh, <laughs> it's when that she so she almost Alan kills Anderson's them. My favorite player. <laughs> she almost kills them, Perfect. and then they're back in the house. And then they're explaining to them like you're you're going to make this program that's going to literally going to cause the end of the world. But the family is just like sitting there listening while this woman with an assault rifle just tried to take them out. And they're they're like totally understanding of being like, OK, I guess you're right. We've never met this woman before at all. She just tried to snipe my husband and blow yeah. up my kid. You want some coffee? But I want some coffee. <laughs> I got yeah, some cake, I, I too. Just, just like Danish. Uh, like, if that happened to my family, I would have been like, all right. But yeah, what's uh let's just have you in my house and have coffee. And she's smoking a heater in the, in the kitchen. And like the house is blown apart. Yeah. Like she's shot through all the windows. Yes, You're right. Dude. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think about that, that's but that's amazing. a very good point. Yes. So, so here's my question about the end too. At the end where, where the bad guy Terminator is melting and he's going through that. At one point, did, did you guys see this? He looks exactly like C-3PO. Yes, he did. <laughs> like there was one part where I'm like, "Oh my God, where's R two D two? Yeah, and then you and then you find out it's actually uh, it's a prequel to Star Wars. But I mean, seriously, there yeah. there was like a melting scene where it's like that's C three PO. Yeah, no, I, I thought the same of, thing. Uh, Bucks. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want some production notes here before we get to bad guy rankings, yeah, et cetera? Let's do it. I think I read some of these things. All right, so this was I, I'm paraphrasing this one because I didn't I forgot to write it down, but I remember reading last night that of the 100 million dollar budget, like 53 million was for production and CGI and all kinds of other stuff like that. Um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger was highly paid, but then it said in Wikipedia he was given an 11 million dollar private jet. I think they just like got him one. Oh, for this movie okay. to keep Something? or just to use during the filming of the movie? It wasn't clear. Interesting. It wasn't clear, but for sure to use during the filming of the movie. Sure. 
I don't know that that would cost $12 million. Like, private jets are expensive. Do they cost $12 million to rent one for a month and a half while you film a movie? Renting seems a little aggressive for a month. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends if it was really experts here. Like like souped up, though, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know, but Arnold got a private jet out of this thing somehow. So uh, here's some other production notes. Regarded as superior to the original film and one of the best sequels ever made, this film influenced popular culture, especially the use of visual effects in films. It grossed $520 million worldwide, becoming the highest grossing film of 1991 and of Schwarzenegger's career. So this is the most successful movie of his career as well as the highest-grossing R-rated film at the time Hmm. until The Matrix Reloaded surpassed it in 2003. Interesting. Four years after. This movie received several accolades, including Academy Awards for Best Sound Effects Editing, Best Sound, Best Makeup, and Best Visual Effects. That's, yes. And Arnold should have won Best Actor, but that's fine. It was impressive. Wait, uh, what was the box office total for Terminator 2? Do you have that in front of you, Phil? $500 million or $520 okay. million, something like that. So I, I, I had, like, my first guess was I, I would figure Scream did better. And Scream did. Oh, it did 173 at the bottom. Okay, got it. I thought Scream Hor- would So be up horror there. movies aren't usually, and even though Scream's kind of a parody of a horror movie, horror movies are generally a smaller slice of audience because people sure. just, like, aren't. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love I love Scream. Scream. Yeah. I, a true guilty pleasure of mine is Scream. The Scream franchise is yeah, just fantastic. Really good, really good. good stuff. Yep. Terminator 2 makes extensive use of CGI to vivify the main two Terminators. The use of such technology was the most ambitious since the 1982 and 84 science fiction films The Tron and The Last Starfighter, respectively. I've Tron. heard of The Tron. Uh, and, and, that's the, it. and it would be integral to the critical success of the film. Creation, this is amazing. Creation of the visual effects cost $5 million and took 35 different people, including animators, computer scientists, technicians, and artists, 10 months to produce for a total of 25 man years of hours. Wow. But the length of the actual CGI scenes was only five minutes of runtime. So they did all really? this work, five million dollars, and but and they sprinkled in this. You know, think about when he melts through the, right, the prison keep, bar. Yeah, sure. Because that's like a ten back. second scene. Right, you're right. So you add up all the CGI parts. Wow. So it's only five minutes of the movie. It was impressive. But those five minutes sprinkled in made the movie what it was. Yes. So all right, definitive bad guy rankings here, and the criteria right. that we generally go off of are the level of iconic, ruthless, and charismatic qualities. So. Mm-hmm. Are you iconic? Are you ruthless? Will you actually kill people as a villain? And are you charismatic? And with that, the top five or six villains that we have reviewed so far are the Terminator. The original Terminator is number one on our list as the best villain of all time. Hans Gruber from Die Hard is number two. Michael Myers from Halloween is number three. And I get that that's not a, a horror. Or it's not a... It's not an action movie, but we threw it in there. He's, still, he's fantastic. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. Uh, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse, and Cobra Kai from Karate Kid. The T-1000 Terminator is the villain in this movie. Yes. So how would you, how would you break so it down? So he, he, if we basically have four criterias for this. Um, he definitely fits criterias two and three. But the most important ones to me are iconic and, and the, the potential charisma, right? And this, this, in my opinion, um, probably because the actual special effects and CGI were, were the star, I don't think of this one as iconic, okay? Yeah. If I go further down the list here, Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon, Ivan Drago from Rocky Four, I can't put T-1000 above Ivan no. Drago. No, I'm I think sorry. he's in the middle because I do, I do think it was quality, 
but it doesn't meet personally for me, at least you guys, the, my most important criteria. And this one to me is for sure not iconic. So uh, right in the middle section here, we've done like 40 of these. So the middle is sort of, let's see here. You got Bodie from Point Break is sort of fringe top 10. I think he's behind Bodie from Point Break. Yeah, yeah, I love Bodie. I think he's down there somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's kind of middle, I would say like middle upper tier. Like he's pretty iconic and that he's a Terminator. Right, but, but it's he's not, not like as charismatic. Iconic. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna put him down. I'm gonna put him below Bodie from Point Break, unless you guys. He's. I'm fine with that. And I'm gonna put him below Dom from Fast and the Furious too. He's definitely ruthless. I don't know if he's super iconic. Yeah. I don't know. I can't put him in a top tier of iconicness. Yeah. If there was a tier of that, he's like in the tier two to three in terms of the iconic. Agreed. Yeah, that's fair. So he's gonna be outside the top ten and kind of kind of in the middle yeah. section there. All right. All right. That brings us to our one through ten rating system here. The only three perfect tens we have reviewed are Terminator, Die Hard, and Halloween. And then we have Taken, John Wick, Commando, Beverly Hills Cop, The Fast and the Furious, Expendables, Top Gun, and Roadhouse mm-hmm. round out the top 11. Mm-hmm. The worst movies we have reviewed in Action Movie Rewind are Kindergarten Cop, Shoot 'em Up, Bloodsport, Mad Max 2, and Wanted. The smack dab middle, if you would like it for reference, Die Hard 2, Lethal Weapon, Casino Royale, Karate Kid, Speed, and True Lies. Judd Zilgad, we'll start with you. All right. So I'll preface my comments by saying this. The mm-hmm. first the first one is an absolute classic, okay? Yep. So this is, I am not, I actually enjoyed this one, and I am in no way trying to denigrate this one, but this one is not the first one. Okay. Wow. But that does not mean I'm going to give it a bad score. Sure. I'm saying last week we gave 10s. Like, that is rare air Mackie and Judd mm-hmm. and Dex reviews territory. I'm going to give this a very solid seven. Wow. I'm going to give it a That's very... That's a below average I, score in, in this. A very solid seven. Mm-hmm. A very solid seven. Okay. Don't feel like you have to be influenced by Judd's. If you thought this was a 10 going in, I don't won't. feel like you... Yeah, no, 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 nope. no. So, yeah, it's a 10 for me. I think it's a perfect score. I, I, tried to, I tried to talk myself out of it last night. I originally said, I think this is a 10. Because it's a, it's a completely different film, and I as I touched on the main takeaway, it, it's it's not a sellout, but you can tell it's Hollywood injected. Like it, it goes from this cool behind the scenes movie to now it being a very significant um, uh, blockbuster. So for me, it's a ten. I know it's long, but it has hilarious stupidity actionness in it. There's a guy who melts into liquid and creates knives with his arms. Um, Terminator. <laughs> literally evolves from like no words to being a a funny dude. I think it's a 10 for me. It's a 10 for me. It's a 9.5. So I'm right there with Declan on this one. And I I don't know. I I was, I was actually about to give it a 10 as well. Cause I think this movie is great. And I, I just love the twist. I love putting Arnold as the good guy. I love, I love the, I think the logic within the unbelievable premise of the movie, you know, makes sense. Okay. They're, they're, now they're going to come back and try and kill John Connor, and so he's you know, so I, I actually love it all, and I don't really have anything bad to say about this movie. I think it's great, and it it brought, like Declan said, what was kind of an underground great action movie into the mainstream, and and I grew up, I remember like I was in second grade when this movie came out, okay, and I remember as a kid, Hasta La Vista Baby was like the thing that we all said to each other as kids, right? It was just <laughs> oh, yeah. like baked into our consciousness, so. So with that, it is the it's tied for the eighth best action movie that we have reviewed to this point, right there in a tie with The Fast and the Furious and The Expendables. 
So, boys, we most of the time we put movies up for vote, but I think, and we're going to keep doing that, mm-hmm. but the feedback we've gotten from people is there are some movies that we should just, like, use our judgment and say, no, you audience, you would love if we reviewed this movie. The court should rule. So we're gonna have we're gonna have a wild card pick, and this week Judd Zolgad is gonna get the uh, is oh, gonna I get see. the wild card okay, pick, cool. where we take movies that have sort of been in our ecosystem and we put them up for vote. Ooh, but they let's just talk about this, then. but they just Got haven't. It. So what I want to do here is I would like to I'm sort of keeping track of like the movies that have been in our collection yep. that we put up for vote that we think would be a fun review. Trust us, audience, right? But okay. they might not win if put up against Terminator Two sure. in a in a poll. And so I'd like to present once every like two or three weeks. Um, I'd like to just present here are two or three to choose from, and then one of us gets to choose from that collection. Okay, all right. So the ones to choose from this week, and I'll and I'll pull a couple like we we take listener submissions too. Judd Zolgad, you get to choose between Above the Law, Demolition Man, and a Bond movie. Hold on a second here. Let me let me let me check out Demolition Man as far as the Google review or the uh, the plot. Demolition Man was recommended by multiple listeners, by the way. Demolition Man, nineteen ninety three, I believe it's Wesley Snipes, and no, I'm sorry, it's yeah, it's uh, yeah, Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone. It was a uh, a massive blockbuster hit in the early nineteen nineties. Because I might surprise you by picking it. Uh, let's see. Make sure you check that runtime. I, I actually did. <laughs> That was the first thing I checked, but it's fine. It's fine. Under fifteen minutes. Just oh, it's another future uh, film too. Just under two. Two thousand thirty-two. The say the city of San Angeles. Um, Above the law is a Seagal film, and yeah, then, which and I've then, been trying to get through, but I don't. But it's gotten no, no traction. And then I would say on the on the bond, then uh, you would just be deferring to me to choose one that I yeah, think. I think we should let you. I think the week of your pick, we, we should let you pick the bond film. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, Go ahead, Jed. No, so I, I would go, bit of a surprise, Demolition Man. Wow, there it is. Demolition Man for next week. So are we going to do this just once a month with the wild card picks? Is that kind of the plan? I would say for sure once a month, okay. and then we can, at our discretion, we can, we can add more in. If we feel like, oh, we got to do this movie, but like no one's going to vote for it. Slight ad for a possible tease. So I know we did a, a Halloween-based movie for October. Mm-hmm. Well, next month is February. You want to do it? You want to do a rom com? I want to do a rom com. Sure. Yes. I want to do a like rom com. So, all right. So, on air meeting here. Yeah. By the way, do we have to get to Roy- we have to get to Roycey here? Okay, we have a few minutes. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, if, yeah, it's fine. If we do a rom com, we can't put. We we can definitely do it, but like, we're not going to make it part of this ecosystem, right? We're not going to do like we're not going to rank. Do... It's not going to be within our rankings. Yep. It can't be. So we we almost it then, falls out of it. Yeah, so we'll just we'll just have to just do the movie, and then we can give it our. We can have like a side category or something. I think the rom com the rom com could open a whole new door for us. I mean, yeah. think about how many rom coms. I, need, I want to judge. I just want. Sleepless, I just want Judge Zolgad little, rom com review. I, I like rom coms. Yeah. Oh, there's some good rom coms. Hitch. Yeah. Hitch is a great one. I've seen Hitch. Love Hitch. I, I, Harry I, Met Sally. Harry Met Sally. First film Dude, I took on to. Hitch is a phenomenal rom. Hitch is on TBS basically every yeah. Saturday. <laughs> yeah. That's Will Smith and Kevin James, is that right? Kevin James, Eva Mendez. Yeah. Yeah. I've okay. seen that one. That that's a good. Great film. Okay, so upcoming middle of what's February we'll do a we'll do we'll a round. round what what's the one that LeBron did with Amy Schumer? Wreck. I would please don't I've seen do that. Train wreck. I've seen that one too. I hate Train I'm, Wreck. 
You'd be surprised the amount of rom-coms. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. I just want more Judd Zolgad movie reviews. I, this is this is great. Well, huh? I just know how to do them. Oh, okay. Like, you got to stitch stuff together. Right. You got to get storylines out. You know what they should do? They should send me the script so I can say, we're cutting this part out. <laughs> we're going to cut this part out. This whole thing, Skynet thing. We're going to we're gonna do that as the third, the T3. Judd Zolgad Terminator con- three. consulting firm. So Demolition Man for next week, and then uh, at some point in mid-February, we'll we'll do our first rom-com here. Hey, what, expand what, the Mackie and Judd review. Does Snakes on a Plane qualify yeah. as I've, an action I've, movie? I've, su- yeah. I've suggested that. I've never that. seen it. I've suggested that, I think, at least twice. It was so panned that I, I think I've seen it on a TBS, actually. I've so, never seen it, but I'll add it to our list of yeah. things okay. to put up for. We should put that up. I bet you if we put that up for a vote, it might have a chance it, to win. I think when, we, when I did it last time, I think it got second. I forget okay. what edged it out, but it was second. Get okay. these snakes Some off my like plane! Damn plane! <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, all right. My, uh, uh, we we did we went so long there that my my uh, computer oh, froze sure. here. So if you'd like to just hit a soundbite on the way out, and then we'll talk to Royce. So this other guy, he's a Terminator like you, right? Not like me. T one thousand, advanced prototype. You mean more advanced than you are? Yes, and me mending poly alloy. What the hell does that mean? Liquid metal. Like you could disguise itself as a pack of cigarettes. No, only an object of equal size. Well, why don't just become a bomb or something to get me? It can't form complex machines. Guns and explosives have chemicals, moving parts. It doesn't work that way. But it can form solid metal shapes. Like what? Knives and stabbing weapons. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. Patrick Roycey, uh, 755 career home runs. Did you, so when when Hank Aaron was finishing out his career in the mid-70s, were you, you were covering baseball by then, weren't you? Yes, I was. He was with the Brewers, and uh, we got to see him a little bit. He was a shadow of himself. I should say that uh, we had Vin Scully at that game. Uh, so it was nationally televised when Henry hit the home run to set the record, and they chased him. But I don't think it was on a weekend. We might have done it special. I'd have to check, but we we might have done it uh, to uh, you know because it was going to be such a special occasion, and he didn't make him wait long. But yeah, I, I covered him. But the the most memorable thing for me is when the '65 All Star Game came here to Met Stadium, and uh, you know, the outfield was uh, Willie Mays, Henry Aaron, and Willie Stargell. And the backup outfield was Roberto Clemente, Billy, and Billy Williams, and Frank Robinson. Wow. Uh, that National League team that was here in 1965 is the greatest baseball team ever assembled. And, uh, of course, Henry Aaron and Willie Mays both played nine innings back then. We didn't mess around. And uh, certainly Willie, Willie to me is the greatest player of all time. But if you want to talk about two, Aaron's right there, certainly with everybody, with about two, three other guys, I would say. it's uh, uh, in, in 70, was it 75? He was in Milwaukee. Yep, mm-hmm. 75. 75. He was a shadow of himself. He was in his early 40s by then. And uh, 
but uh, one one thing about him, he played his he signed for organized baseball. He played 1952 for the at the near the end of the uh, Negro Leagues. You know, they, I mean, they lasted a while. He played for Indianapolis, and then he signed with the Braves, and. I think he played 53 with Eau Claire in class C. That was his first year. Mm-hmm. And then the, and then the next year he was in the lineup for the Braves in Milwaukee. Uh, so he jumped from what was class C then, which would be lower than low A now. And he went from there to the big league. So uh, to uh, the next year and of course became a superstar and uh, uh, you know, ceiling, you know, Henry was, obviously a huge name and the home run leader and all that stuff. But Seelig really loved him, you know, as a, as a Braves fan when the Braves were there and he brought Henry with him every place and really did all he could to promote the legend of uh, Henry Aaron. And I'm sure he's crushed today, bud, because they were, uh, they became uh, extremely good friends and, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling sorry for bud today. Since last spring, Patrick, K-Line, Seaver, Brock, Gibson, Morgan, Ford, Sutton, and now this. It's been it's incredible. And I know they're old, but still it's incredible. I don't care if they're old. Some of them not that old, you know. Some of them in their 70s. Henry was 86, and uh, we were talking before we came out of here. He very publicly took the vaccine about two weeks ago to try to assure – there's there's this whole legend in the in the black culture of Henry's age group that you cannot you could not trust the government that they were using this to eradicate black people vaccines and stuff like that 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 whole legend you know built up and uh, considering the way they were treated uh, you know like you can you can see where the skepticism came and I and apparently a lot of the people of that generation were afraid of the vaccine for that reason. And Henry publicly took the vaccine to try to get people to say, it's okay. Okay. And now that was what, two weeks ago and now he dies. And I'm sure people are, you know, not sane people, but, uh, but the antivirus, the anti-vaccine crowd will probably use this to uh, say, see, you don't want to do this. So, I don't think Hank wants that to be his legacy. He wanted you to take the vaccine, folks. Yeah. Um, hey, we we were talking about this just off mic, but we were we were having trouble remembering how many home runs Barry Bonds has because <laughs> seven fifty five was etched for four decades, right? And yes. then and well, then what is Barry seventy six? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah. Seven sixty two yeah. is what is what he landed 762? on. Seven sixty two, and he wanted to play longer, but by then the steroid stuff had boiled over, and yes. and and he just basically got blackballed from signing with a team, but. But how, you know, when you when you think about the the baseball home run records, um, do you think seven fifty five? How much did the steroid era just make you not care about some of these counting records? Yeah, I think it made me care less. Yeah, it, it, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but uh, you know, I I am not of the ilk that says he's the true home run champ. And all. I mean, it doesn't do any good to say that. It doesn't change the fact that. You know, whatever Bonds was doing, he got away with it. 
Okay, he didn't get in the Hall of Fame, but he got away with it. It's in the record book. And, uh, you know, it, it's like, you know, the, in, a, in a far different way, the, uh, you know, Roger Maris, he didn't really make, beat Babe Ruth's record because it was 162-game schedule and 154. And, that, and then Aaron, you know, Aaron faced incredible racism when he was passing the Babe, which he just did with Ben Scully describing it here. Uh, I mean, he was, it was, you know, he would, uh, he used to go up and uh, he kept, a lot of the hate mail and he'd go up and read it once in a while to, for whatever reason, you know, to, uh, I guess, you know, to go up there and look at it. And I remember an SI story on that 30 years ago, how he still kept the hate mail. And I, I guess, I, I don't know why, you know, he married, uh, his second wife was Billy, was it Billy Williams? Very active in the civil rights movement, uh, a, a woman down there, an attorney and, uh, you know, kind of a Stacey Abrams type for that era. And, uh, and very, uh, you know, Henry was very big in the civil rights, uh, causes in the South after, after he married her. So Jay Hap, Patrick, the twins, big addition so far, your thoughts on Jay Hap one year, 8 million, I believe. Uh, well, uh, you know, I think he had a good warm-up for the postseason, for the Twins postseason with his appearance in the uh, World Series, in or not, I mean, in the playoffs, didn't he? He went, uh, went two and a third, so it wasn't a start. They used, remember, they used... Yeah, the, faced like five guys. They used the yep. opener and brought him in, and he basically ripped the Yankees for doing that. He apparently is a outspoken type of guy, so that might be good. I don't know. I can't... He's... Who? You know, he's... He's better than Devin Smeltzer, probably. <laughs> Marginal. Yeah, that's what Marginal. I was thinking. He, yeah. he actually threw fairly hard back in his day, but he's 38. Yeah. I didn't realize he was that old. I thought it was like 33 or 4. And I don't think he's the, you know, they kind of signed some of these guys like Annabelle and and, and, and those guys and because they want him to emphasize this pitch more. He doesn't sound to me like a guy that's going to come in here and be all changed. He's going to do what he does, throw his yeah. fastball 80% of the time and put a little sink on it. And uh, I don't know why, I, you know, they got it. They need a couple of young arms. They need a couple of guys that can throw the ball by somebody. And Pat, this this it, this front well, office. This is the fifth year of this front office, and I and I think these. You know, I've I think Valvi and Levine have done a great job, and they've and they've built they've built regular season winners, and they've and they've changed a bunch of things to modernize the Twins, and those are those are great things. But we're going into their fifth season, and the rotation. Jose Barrios, all right, great. He was he was brought on by the previous regime. Uh, Jay Happ is thirty eight. He's a veteran. Michael Pineda was a veteran signing. Kenta Maeda was a veteran trade. Rich Hill was a veteran signing. Homer Bailey was a veteran signing. Uh, like where, where are the twenty three, twenty five year old guys coming through the pipeline? It's year five. Let's do it. That's what I've been saying too. I mean, Velazovic. I mean, they, nobody. Now, I, it probably hurt that nobody got the pitch in the minor leagues last year, but somebody has got to show up in spring training. And they got to take a couple of these guys, Duran and Milosevic, and give them a chance to be in the rotation. 
they got the old idea of going to spring training and finding somebody. They have to do that this time. They cannot just keep running these fossils out there. And, uh, you know, God love Mike. We all love Randy Dobnik, but we, we, it was fun while it lasted, right? Yeah. We saw what happened. And, and uh, you know, Smeltzer and guys, that, the hell with that. You know, get some live arms. And if Duran wants to go out there and throw, you know, walk seven guys in five innings and throw the ball all over the ballpark, good. Maybe he'll hit somebody in the neck and get them off the plate. Uh, they they have got to uh, they have got to get some juice in their starting rotation, and they have, you know, Jose Barrios is it. So yeah, I don't know. Um, we got we we got to play some audio for you here, so we can so we can end on a fun note. I don't know if you saw <laughs> okay. this yesterday, Pat. But... Dan Campbell doesn't just like football. <laughs> Dan Campbell loves football. We're gonna kick you in the teeth. All right, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you, and when you knock us down, we're going to get up, and on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right, and we're going to stand up, and then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down, and when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before before long, we're going to be the last one standing, all right? That's going to be the mentality. Chris Spielman, right? <laughs> you know, idiot. you know, you're probably right. That's a good point. Yeah. Watson, idiot. God, they're idiots. They're just <laughs> the biggest idiots in sports. They're unbelievable. First, we hire a grouchy, bearded, fat guy who won't talk to anybody, who hates everybody, hates the world. So, okay, now let's go hire the biggest opposite lunatic we can who's going to sit up there and talk nonsense uh god oh my matthew stafford did something wrong in a previous life pat there is no matthew stafford you know patricia's gone that's going to be great i'm going to get a real cerebral offensive young mind it's dan (laughs) campbell or as or as or as your guy dan levitar calls him man campbell pat Wasn't he, uh, what was he, like assistant special teams coordinator or some damn thing? He was never, you were warning me about this the other day, though, Judd, when we were talking that they were going to hire this moron. <laughs> oh, God, they're unbelievable. The presser was better than even I could have hoped for. One playoff victory since 1957. Yeah. One. And guess what? They ain't this idiot. They're gonna have to fire him in three years. That they're gonna, you know. He oh got year contract. Who gives out six year contract? I don't know. I don't know. In fact, like like the six year contract. Goodell's thing. office. They got to be going nuts, don't they? Oh, the, yes. After they, that, oh my well, god, and they've got problems this too. Guy, and then, and then, you know, the Eagles hire some nondescript nothing guy that nobody ever heard I've of. never heard of him. He's like, what, 38 and he had worked for Frank White? Uh, yeah. And, you know, if they hire Josh McDaniels, maybe you can say, oh, okay, but how can you hire this guy? They're gonna they're gonna go seven for seven on uh, hiring, I mean, 
the guy at uh, the Jets hired is uh, is of Arab descent. I, I, he still's a white guy to me, <laughs> and and uh, right. you know, it, I can't believe they're going to get through the. Do you realize that? What was it? A couple of years ago, they fired four black coaches, right? Mm-hmm. So the league had like six or seven. Yeah. They're going to have two. Yeah. Two yeah. out of 32. Yeah. 70% of your workforce is black. Yeah. It's incredible. Eric Bieniemy watching. I want I want to know what Eric Bieniemy's thoughts were watching that press conference yesterday. Like, you know, what is this? <laughs> you know what? Hey, forget Detroit. That was his thought. Q- is Clint Kubiak you really going to be the offensive coordinator here? I think he is because guess what? He'll run the ball. So we got him, we got an inherited, and Zim's kid is the defensive coordinator. Yes. Oh, he's co-defensive coordinator. Come on. Situation. Speaking of that, somebody wake up the fellas in New Jersey and say, you know, this nest of nepotism is not what we need here. Come on. <laughs> nest of nepotism. I love print, it. Print the shirts. Nest, nest of nepotism. Nest of nepotism. Nattering, <laughs> what was Spiro's thing? Nattering nabobs of negativism. Nattering nabobs of nepotism. <laughs> You're on to something. Amazing. All right, we'll get the shirts printed and we'll talk There's to you next week. There's a column coming. Pat. I can feel it. All right. See you. Bye. Right, that's Rapping with Roycey every Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, and Friday. You can also find Roycey Unchained with Judd every single Monday. Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. Nest of nepotism. Nest That's going to appear in a column in the Star Tribune shortly. I, I can feel that it's, yep. it's too good a line. Yep. So, uh, and uh, tip of the cap to our guy Dan Campbell for his splashy debut. You can find Purple Daily on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com as well uh, if you want our daily Vikings conversations. And one of those, uh, we're going to actually record an episode about Gary Kubiak retiring officially. So you can check that out. We'll see you guys on Monday. Thank you.